Welcome to Never Break Kayfabe. Once again, Never Break Kayfabe is brought to you by Anchor FM. Do you have a unique voice? Do you have a unique message that you want to share with the world? Do you want a, a podcast that's on Spotify, on, on Stitcher, on iTunes? Then Anchor FM is the app for you. You can record on your phone, post on your phone. It is your one-stop shop to get your voice to the world. Anchor FM. Welcome to Never Break Kayfabe Presents, the Wrestler of Faith audio podcast. My name is Michael Davis. If you listen to our podcast, podcast that I actually posted yesterday, I want to extend a conversation that took place on it. I was trying to have with Big Rick. Uh, To her detriment, I did not quite prepare her for the conversation that we were going to have, and she was uh, a bit shell-shocked with the conversation I was trying to carry through with her. Uh, So, I want to do another run at this. I will share, though, even within the ill-preparedness that I presented for her. Big Rick stepped up to the plate and had a conversation. So, I uh, am still very proud of that kid. And and, uh, But today on the Wrestler of Faith audio podcast, we are going to uh, just have a discussion on the Speak Out movement that's going on in the the entire industry, the indies. It's, it's reached through the upper levels of sports entertainment. Well, we talked very candidly uh, yesterday on the podcast about the happenings between Sammy Guevara and uh, Sasha Banks and uh, the uh, suspension for Sammy Guevara, uh, uh, money being donated to women's support, uh, groups by the cons uh, instead of paying Guevara, and it's yeah, it's just a lot going on. Now, when things start going on like this, it, it starts to snowball, and and especially in the high level of responses that are coming out on the 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 speak out movement, it, it starts to snowball, and with that snowballing comes some speculation that, well, how much is this true? How much is this somebody just trying to get a name from themselves to get their name, uh, get some notice in what's going on? Um, I've never been a big supporter of that because uh, there comes a time that voices have to be heard. And when one voice speaks, another voice learns that it's okay to speak out. So they step up. And yes, that snowballing happens, but it's not always, hey, look at me. It's, hey, people are doing this and they're okay, so I can do it too. So I don't want to, I don't want to paint that image, especially as one of the individuals that has spoken out doesn't need attention. They're already a champion in their promotion. So it's, it's not all individuals that need help getting over. It's individuals seeing, realizing, hey, if I speak out, I'm going to be okay. So I want us to, I want us to really think about that and process this for a minute. And now the conversation I tried to have with Big Rick yesterday, uh, we, we actually talked about it quite a bit more after the podcast. 
Now, I use this phrasing. What made it think that it was okay for these people who are being accused of, of, of misogynistic, extremely misogynistic behavior, um, uh, what, what made them think it's okay to do it? What, what exists culturally that makes a person think that they can get by with something? Now, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, uh, there was a disconnect in that conversation, and it it was received as that the, there was something that happened that made this okay, and that that was not the point I was trying to make. I wasn't saying that something happened and it made it okay for a person to physically, emotionally, sexually abuse another person. That that is never okay. The point I was trying to make, though, what happens in a human being's mind that makes it makes that individual person either think it's okay for them to be doing that, or even more, what makes it think that they can get away with doing that? Is there something that that happens uh, environmentally? Is there something that happens? Uh, culturally, is there something that happens within, uh, you know, masculine empowerment uh, that makes that individual think that it's okay to do it, or at the very least, and at the at the absolute worst, they know it's wrong and they think they can get away with it. That was the conversation that I was trying to have. So I wanted to use this uh, podcast to first of all clear that up because there's nothing that makes uh, sexual abuse okay. There's nothing that makes it appropriate. Uh, there's no level of, of slut shaming that makes it appropriate. So that, that's the reality that we're digging in. But I wanted to carry through just me the, the conversation that I was trying to have. There's something that happens in an individual's mind that either makes it think that it's okay for them to do it or they, at the absolute least and the absolute worst, they think that they know it's bad, but they think they can get away with it. What happens with that? So I want to talk about the history of, of the backstage. Now, I don't know this firsthand, but I, I've kind of become, I've, I've kind of strived to become this, this uh, wrestling uh, historian. Most of my reading, all of my reading, has been history books on professional wrestling, uh, uh, wrestlers' biographies, uh, books about the history of the National Wrestling Alliance, the American Wrestling Alliance, Extreme Championship Wrestling. I've been doing all this research and and such, and really looking at you know the 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 whole backstage history of this stuff, and, and I'll share with you. There is this history that exists within professional wrestling, this fight for your own spot thing that has made uh, uh, misogynistic behavior uh, the norm uh, within professional wrestling. You know, I brought this up the other day. Even to the grassroots of what became female wrestling was female performers... uh, setting up, uh, uh, arranging 
opportunities for sexual assault on other performers. Uh, though we shared uh, the the traumatic history of of the fabulous Moolah, and if you you if you have uh, Vice TV, they have this great television show. It's called The Dark Side of the Ring. And they, they, they put on a, a very detailed documentary not that long ago on, on the fabulous Moolah and all of the things that she has had been accused of doing as the female promoter. I mean, they, they, they celebrate, it has been celebrated that Moolah was a champion for over 30 years. Well, yeah, you're a champion for over 30 years when you're the head booker and you have have an ego so and all this thing and the power that she had I mean that power even stretched into the 80s when that she kind of had less control over the female talent but she had she had control somewhere because they before the Montreal screw job that happened to Bret Hart there was the Madison Square Garden screw job that happened to Wendy Richter that she didn't even know that she was wrestling the fabulous Moolah under a mask. And you watch this pimp fall. Wendy Richter is literally sitting up on her butt as the referee hits the three count for the pin, giving the title to the fabulous Moolah. I, there, the, the, the treatment of, of female talent. Now, reading through all of these books and everything, there finally comes along people who really do start to, to fight back. And when you have a connection to Grizzly Smith, you kind of get some some help with that. Uh, the Grizzly Smith's son, Sam Houston, uh, met and married uh, this dear lady by the name of Nicola Roberts. And for those of you who do not know who Nicola Roberts is, Nicola Roberts was Baby Doll in the in the NWA and the hot Four Horsemen, Dusty Rhodes, Rock and Roll Express time period of the NWA. You have this major pre-female performer standing up and confronting male performers in the ring and Baby Doll. You start to have this this shift in the culture with Baby Doll, but unfortunately. The, the backstage culture doesn't change enough to get it over. You know, the, the major television station that, that uh, showed the NWA product, WTBS, over time. And this is not a statement about WTBS as much as it is about Jim Crockett Promotions. There was an NWA women's champion. I can't at this moment tell you who it was. But I can tell you, I can remember one time that the NWA United States Women's Champion Misty Blue Sims had one match on TBS. They they didn't have the the female matches then. So you you have this you have this whole culture that's built around. First of all, yes, we have female performers, but they're 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 presented like a side act. You know, for years, even in the my time period, going to shows at the San Diego Sports Arena, we we went to the restroom and it was I I I think it was Victoria versus Trish Stratus was the women's uh, title match going on, and I 
just took a quick trip to the restroom and all the guys in there was like, yep, the women's match is on. It's time to go to the bathroom. And that's a joke in the fans. But the promoters know that. And it's another dampening of the importance of the female performer. So you, you get this you get this culture that's built up that the female performers, the misogynistic mindset that the men, female performers are nothing more than a, a side act. And, and so they're disrespected even on stage, much less the disrespect that's showed backstage. Now, it, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more because I want to talk about how the environment can foster a person thinking, well, I can do this. I can get away with it. I brought up yesterday, and I forgot to put the explicit lyric, but it was the big funny joke. It, they, he was on The Soup. I they, they showed clips of this on ESPN. Joey Ryan, uh, his character is, is a pornographic character. It, it's His moveset is based around groping, including his major move that involved another performer grabbing his crotch and displaying the power of his masculinity by suplexing someone with his junk. So you get this performer whose character is pornographic character, and he's making thousands upon thousands of dollars self-promoting himself flooding the internet with YouTube videos of the world famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan and when when that starts to become your character your character can slip into your reality and that's something that's talked about a lot in wrestling. Uh, there, there's story upon story of Ric Flair spending himself in the bankruptcy because he's out on the town trying to be Ric Flair. I mean, it's it's when the character becomes the person that things get out of hand. And then, honestly, I, I'll bring up the nature one more time. I, the, the health issues, the severe health issues that he's had over the last few years have not come as much from the things that he did in the ring, but it came from him trying to be his character outside of the ring. So you have this environment that characters become the person's true identity. You have this environment where the, the character is the is the person and the character is the mindset and the character overruns the person and then you get to this moment where major promoters are telling other wrestlers just please go turn yourself in that I will not say who did that tweet and I won't say who that tweet was about but that was a recent tweet in the world of professional wrestling based around people who are now being uh, receiving accusations from the speak out movement and again accusations from people who don't need help getting over because at least one of them is already a champion in their promotion i just i get troubled because there's 
wrestling has has been my escapism since I was 10 years old. I'm 45 years old right now. I've been watching wrestling for 35 years. And wrestling has been my escapism. And there's come this place where there's a reality that there are people that that suffer that are that deal with things that they can't overcome on their own because of this profession that I have loved for so long because of this this form of entertainment that I have loved for so long. Now I, I do love that there there is a visible fight for uh, empowerment and balance within that. And a lot of that has come because of the four horsewomen. Bailey, uh, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair. Uh, we finally have these performers that have stepped up that aren't going to do the mud, jello, bra and panty matches. But they go out there and they have better wrestling matches than any of the men. And they've become these these fighters. It's more than just baby doll anymore. It's this whole crop of people, and it's and it's gone across the board. I, the the women's matches and Impact have become so well and so focused, and the women's performers have become so strong and so focused and Impact that Tessa Blanchard isn't the women's champion and Impact. Tessa Blanchard is the world heavyweight champion. So we have these people that are fighting and scratching to to bring the balance, but there's still something within the environment of the backstage culture that that needs to be addressed and it needs to be straightened out. And it has to there has to be some kind of radical change. Now, I want to push this even further outside of women's wrestling because I'm going to tell you that in the history of professional wrestling, there have not been enough African-American world champions. And I want to use the world world champions. I know, I know that uh, Ahmed Johnson was an intercontinental champion. I know, I know Tony Atlas and, and Rocky Johnson were the WWF tag team champions. I know that Ron Simmons and Butch Reed were the NWA WCW World Tag Team Champions. I know, I know the storied Hall of Fame history of Harlem Heat. But still, that those are the names, and and I'll share with you. I am going to name for you, and I I hope I don't forget anybody. I'm going to name for you the recognized world champions in in the history of professional wrestling. The recognized world champions. Iceman King Parsons was a recognized world champion in WCCW. Ron Simmons was a recognized world champion in WCW. Ron Killings, a recognized world champion in the NWA. And Kofi Kingston, a recognized world champion in the WWE. That's four names. That's four names. For the NWA title to have a lineage that stretches back 
to the early 1900s, hundreds of years of, of recognition. I just named you four African-American world heavyweight champions. The imbalance is across the board. And there's something that exists within the culture that makes that okay. And something has to be done about the culture so that it can be balanced out. Because it's 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 a sport. It, it's a game. It's a TV show. It's it's predetermined. So share with me, share with me that Bobo Brazil who used to have these bloodbath fights with the Sheik in Detroit was not a person, if wrestling was real, who could have won the NWA World Heavyweight title. Tell me that that's not true because he he didn't even withstand blood fights in the ring. Bobo Brazil was a recognized hero doing race angles in the South. And he had to fight through that racism in the late '60s, in the '60s, going through the going through the '60s. He had to stand through that. You know, I I think about the junkyard dog. There's no way that Sylvester Ritter should not have been a recognized world champion, especially when he's going through the Southeast and Florida and Georgia and in major areas of Louisiana when he is the African-American hero against the fabulous Freebirds who are prancing around with the Confederate flag as their banner in rural areas of the South where other people have them on the back of their cars. It's that long history of imbalance that has to finally be addressed in some way. Because if wrestling was a real sport, I'm telling you right now, there's no way that Bobo Brazil was never the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So when you have white owners controlling the decisions, if anyone, please anyone, email me at wrestleroffaithmedia at gmail.com if there has ever been an African-American owner of a wrestling promotion, please let me know so I can know. Because I don't know. But a majority of the major promotions throughout the time, uh, Vince Sr., Vince Jr., Fritz Von Erich, Vern Gagne, uh, the Grams, Jim Crockett, I just named you a bunch of white guys. And when you deal with that and you think about hundreds of years of history, and I can only name you four African-American world champions on a predetermined sport, there is an imbalance that needs to be addressed. That's the conversation I I tried to have yesterday. Uh, Hopefully it was a little bit more talked through. I, I'm all for the speak out movement. I, I pray I pray that nobody uses it to their advantage and and tries to get themselves over by using it. I, I pray for the people that have been uh, called out on it 
I, uh, vice president of a major North American promotion, uh, uh, three wrestlers in Impact Wrestling, uh, uh, one one star in uh, AEW. I, there's there's so much to kind of pray through, and I I just I, I pray that there comes some kind of balance soon. That was never break kayfabe prevent uh, presents never break kayfabe presents the wrestler of faith audio podcast my name is michael davis have a week